We are speaking with Adriel Casonza, who is a political consultant and analyst, a European affairs researcher at Wikistrat, and an editorial board member at the Central European Journal of International and Security Studies. He is regularly featured in various print, online, and television media. Welcome to the show, Adriel. It's a pleasure to be in your podcast. It's great to have you. I wanted to look at the shifting dynamics between the U.S., the European Union, Russia, and beyond. It is undeniable that we are witnessing the first, perhaps, great historical geopolitical shift and realignment of the world order that we have known since World War II, marked by the Bretton Woods system, the petrodollar, and the EU Unfortunately, the Cold War seems to be carrying over. And one of the first topics I'd like to start with uh, is Brexit, which is very timely, uh, since you are based in London uh, as well. And <laughs> do you feel Brexit was a wise decision? And you know, if the EU does end up suffering a great Euro economic crack-up boom, Britain jumping ship in hindsight may have proven to be uh, clairvoyant. So what are your thoughts there? I will be with you totally honest. Uh, and I'm, uh, thank you for asking me this crucial question. It's very important to me as um, I was one of the few people who were from, from, you know, from the very beginning were um, paying close attention and were involved in uh, all of this referendum madness, writing policy papers. At that time, when I arrived to London, it was um, 2013, I was um, working for the British Polish Chamber of Commerce as a project manager. And I got involved into policy working of the think tanks, which was the Bow Group, the oldest conservative think tank in the United Kingdom, uh, where I subsequently uh, became the, um, the chairman of the international affairs. And I remember from the very beginning, what was the emotion of everyone? What was everyone's thoughts about the Brexit? So let me divide the topic of Brexit on two separate things. First thing is that to the principle, I do agree that Brexit as a way of being independent as a sovereign uh, country was, in my opinion, as a um, philosophical conservative, or conservative thinker, I would say, uh, something positive. Uh, it wasn't just me, but if we trace back, because nowadays we can uh, only hear about the Brexit and the push from the uh, far right movements. I never seen from, I mean, at the very beginning of the Brexit uh, uh, thinking and the referendum setting up, being setting up in, 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 in the UK, uh, about the far-right members being involved in that movement. In that movement were involved uh, academics like Alan Sked, a famous uh, international history professor from London School of Economics, few think tanks like Bridges Group, uh, where I published the uh, British Euroscepticism pamphlet, and the Bow Group. Uh, obviously, the UKIP party emerged with Nigel Farage and so on and so forth, but to the principle, Brexit, I mean, we we have to ask ourselves the question whether we still believe in the nation state uh, as a core of our international uh, interaction on the uh, global arena, or are we totally abandoning the previous thinking in terms of nation states and we are shifting towards the globalized world, uh, one big village? Obviously, uh, through the technology, through the internet and um, the world becoming a global village, we see that those 
uh, very boundaries are diminishing. But in my opinion, nation state is something which is ingrained in our humanity, in our human uh, interaction with our uh, other humans. And I do believe that sovereignty of the United of the United Kingdom is something crucial. As I was saying, Professor John N. Gray was uh, taking part in the famous debate in the United States organized by a very famous Harper's Magazine. And they were discussing the shifts, movements in the, in the European Union, in Europe uh, at large. And someone who, who is not a conservative, uh, a very famous uh, professor of European politics, uh, Professor John N. Gray, admitted that you can't have a common politics or a common economy within so large group as is Europe. Obviously, we can have a friendly relationship with other countries, and it is very desired after all these years uh, in the past and centuries of uh, bloodshed on our continent. But at the same time, it is not practical to have European Union as a uh, voice for everyone, because as we can see, and as, as we know from our own perspective and our own experience, even when you are in a family, you can have siblings, brothers, sisters, mother, cousins, whatever. Even, even though the, there is a crucial fact that you are one family, members might differ in their, their opinions. And it is the same with the countries and even more prevalent when it comes to the countries because the needs and uh, raison d'etat of the uh, countries in the south, countries in north, countries in the west and countries in the, uh, the, in the east differ because of the geo geopolitics. So the, the Brexit, okay, I, I do agree that at the moment we, 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 we can see that we, we have problems, but the question is whether British politicians from the establishment were serious about the Brexit. We know that uh, Theresa May was in um, David Cameron's uh, previous government and uh, she was opposing Brexit same as David Cameron. So all of a sudden, when she became a prime minister, she started supporting and trying to fulfill the will of the, of the people. Not so, and not really. All of these problems, all of these smokes and screens related to scruple case, condemning Russia, attacking Russia, are produced by the British establishment and British uh, mainstream media in order to uh, screen the problems, to shadow the problems, uh, with with the Brexit and, and British government inability to deliver what was the outcome of the referendum in 2016. At the moment, I do agree and might agree with those who are for staying in the EU that Britain will be in a slightly different situation. But here is the fact, and I like the topic which you put for our podcast, the US, EU and Russia. So uh, at the very beginning, I thought I really, I, I was strongly believing that Brexit, the whole Brexit movement was inspired by the high Tory idea within the Conservative Party and within the British populace at large. However, as we can see now, Steve Bannon being involved and coming to United Kingdom and talking to the so-called, in the brackets, far-right movements, uh, Mr. Uh, John Sullivan from uh, National Review and also being associated with the Bruges Group, being involved in Britain coming out from the um, um, European Union, I came to understanding that Brexit is of use to United States. Uh, I would draw a parallel of what is happening at the moment with supporting the, for instance, even the uh, nationalistic movements in Poland, 
I think that the United States want to be in a perfect position as a sea power to have a common ground and common business with the United Kingdom, which is also a sea power. So I think that the whole Brexit thing for the US policymakers involved in that process, as well as uh, for the establishment uh, um, politicians in this country, is to punish and contain Germany. Germany, as we know from the history, is a very strong country. Obviously, after Second World War, the vigorous uh, uh, spirit of this nation uh, was somehow tamed. But Germany, regardless of the fact that paid a huge amount of contributions to my home country, which is Poland and other countries, and it was demilitarized, still is the, the powerhouse of Europe. So in business of Germany is to be in, in, at, at good terms with Russia, with China. And we can see that German politicians are trying to voice their own uh, ideas for the future shape or uh, of the relationship between Russia, China and other countries, including Iran, which is also very important. The Brexit is a tool in the arsenal of American foreign policy, foreign policymakers to uh, make a house in the, in, in, within the European Union. Uh, we can see that the blame on the house is put on, on Russia. And in most recent days, we can see that uh, China is also becoming to, to be blamed uh, for meddling, for instance, in the United States, although we don't see and we haven't heard from uh, the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, any evidence. So uh, Brexit at the moment is a disaster, in my opinion, is a disaster because it has been hijacked and the government doesn't have a clear plan for this country, for this nation, and they are heading towards the edge. And the only uh, you know, guarantor of, 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 of their so-called success is the United States and uh, Donald Trump's administration, which is... Um, in my opinion, unpredictable. Do you, do you see uh, Brexit happening? Because, you know, some of the developments don't seem so optimistic uh, for it to actually happen. Uh, there has been reported talk of a second referendum, which the EU is has been known to do, you know, when, when I think it was the Lisbon Treaty in Ireland. Uh, I know, but if we have the second referendum, uh, I can assure you that in this country we will have riots. As same as we had, but, well, it, it was laughable in 2011. But if in this country... Uh, people who voted for coming out from, uh, I mean, leaving the uh, uh, European Union will be told that there is another referendum coming. I can assure you that this country will be turned apart because it, it, the, the, the Brexit topic is strongly polarizing. People are strongly, I mean, they, they, they have very strong you know, feelings about Brexit and I don't blame them. Those, even those who were in favor of, 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 you know, leaving the EU are very concerned with what Theresa May is doing, what her government is doing. But at the same time, there is no other politician who can deliver. Boris Johnson is a joke. Boris Johnson is a clown, is a, you know, as a, as a diplomat, as a, as a you know, a chief of for, for foreign ministry of this country, he, he, he was a laughingstock. So he, he can't deliver, although uh, many so-called true conservatives 
are supporting Boris Johnson or uh, as as a as, as a you know uh, uh, as a new prime minister in this country. But I can't see anyone who could step into the prime minister's shoes. Although I thought some time ago, not not long time ago, that Jeremy Corbyn might be uh, a, a suitable uh, per- person for 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 this role. Uh, but I know that there are powers in this country which will never allow Jeremy Corbyn to become. Uh, a prime minister. And so I believe March 2019 is the slated date for Brexit, Brexit and I'm ta- I take it you feel it will go ahead or w- what are your thoughts? I I really don't know. I would like to tell you that I know what what it's going to be, but uh, at the same time I can see that po- British politicians are reluctant to to deliver. And uh, we can see a substitute Topics like Scripple case and other stuff. We can see the talks about the cyber threat from the side of Russia and China. So we have smokes and screens. I don't know how the British propaganda will evolve. Brexit is not so probable to happen, but I think that Remexit might happen. So they might give some congestions to the EU and EU in exchange can give some concessions to uh, the British citizens, because I, I otherwise I, 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 I can't see it. The only distance between the mainland and, and the, the, uh, I mean the, the, the United Kingdom is uh, Calais. So, okay, if I want to travel to, I mean, tomorrow go to, to France, uh, I, I need to do what? I mean, I mean, wait for my visa or whatever. I, I don't know. So many people are having business, British people in Europe and in other countries as well, and European people and other people in this country. So it is a huge burden for, for the businesses. I would put the blame on the mainstream uh, parties for uh, not being honest with um, the citizens, with not being honest at that moment when the referendum happened, and not being honest at this time when we are heading towards the disaster. I don't know how it's going to, to be in few months' time, literally in few months' time. I, I don't, I'm not even sure that Theresa May will, will remain a prime minister. They, they might do some reshuffle in the government, then having some additional time due to the fact that the government has changed, due to the uh, change of the new prime minister, whatever, whatever. We don't know. They will just try to, you know, push, you know, kick that, you know, can along the grass. Well, I just feel sorry for, for the British, British citizens. I, I feel sorry for my friends. I feel sorry for my neighbors. Um, I feel sorry for them that they have so uh, irresponsible government and politicians at large, not only government, but politicians in this country. And, and moving on then from Brexit and talking about the EU again, you know, from my readings, the origins uh, of the EU come from both European aristocracy in the form of groups such as uh, Bilderberg. We have documents going back to the 50s about, about, yes, about yeah, them. Yeah. Um, and as well as the American military industrial complex, you know, that's, it's been also documented that the CIA and U.S. State Department funded some 50% early on of the, of the EU project, you know, and, and as you mentioned earlier, my dilemma has been always that, you know, having a, a EU-style government may not be good or bad in and of itself, but it depends on, you know, 
who who's running the show what kind of go- yeah. what, what kind of government it is um and, and until now brussels seems to have largely been doing washington's uh, bidding but as you mentioned uh, you know the eu is starting to become a bit more uh, independent seemingly uh they've teamed up with other countries to create a swift payment alternative so they can continue doing business with iran um and it's interesting that uh, you know trump not being appearing not to be a big fan of of NATO, uh, so Washington's actions are s- accelerating this creation, seemingly of a European army or a European defense force. Yeah. Um, so, what's your take on the EU? Are they going to become more independent? Are they going to continue working uh, with Russia, perhaps with with the in the energy sector, with the pipelines and the gas lines, and continue working with Iran? Or are we going to see this struggle between USA and the EU? We take. We have to take. Thank you for this question. It's a really important question for 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 me as a European person, as a person who is living in Europe. The only way for the aging societies in Europe, in our continent, because in our continent we don't we we, we don't have ch- children being born in this continent, but we are having a aging societies. So the only uh, way forward for Europe, for the continent, I, I will not discuss Europe as a European Union. There, there, there's, you know, the, the, the European Union is an artificial construct. The name has been given by, by some scientists who just wanted to, to have a, 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 a semi, semi-United States of Europe. And I would like to quote a, a, a French po- poet, Paul Valéry, who uh, wrote in 1927 the following words europe visibly aspires to be governed by an american commission its entire policy is directed to that end not knowing how to rid ourselves of our history will be revealed of it by a fortunate people who have almost none that was paul valerie in 1927 brave european people as same as uh, general de gaulle who had a clear clear vision for our continent so in speaking in geopolitical terms we know such a thing as World Island. Uh, Mr. McIntyre was very clear about World Island, uh, Heartland, and other um, geopolitical concepts. And if we are talking about the United States, United Kingdom, and Europe, slash European Union, we have to take that into the consideration. European politicians and European citizens, in order to be serious about the future of our children, uh, future generation who are living in this continent, not across the pond in the United States, have to rediscover the term World Island, which is comprising the interlinked continents of Europe, Asia, and Africa. And that gives us not Eurasia, but Afro-Eurasia. This concept has been abandoned many years ago, but in terms of the resources, in terms of the vigorous populace, I think that the World Island has to come together. We can see the attempts on the side of uh, Russia to do the fair business in China. And they are in China not from yesterday. I have family in Africa, in East Africa, in Tanzania, in Kenya. I have also family in, and friends in Ghana. And I know that Chinese people were doing business with Africans long way before Americans were involved in doing business, as we know how old their country is. So European Union in this particular shape of form, doesn't have any future. And America knows that. And I'm glad that you've mentioned that European Union was funded by the CIA. 
And Professor Alan Sket, whom I mentioned at the very beginning of our conversation, the international, I mean, um, the uh, Emiratus Professor of International History at London School of Economics, and the person who created UKIP at the very beginning, before the Nigel Farage even started, you know, being involved in politics, wrote many years ago, not probably three or four years ago, a very nice article about this particular topic or, uh, at The Telegraph uh, here in the United Kingdom. So if we know that this is a project to somehow contain Europe, because Germany, European Union, is a, is a project to contain Germany. And as jo Professor John and Gray said at the Harper's Magazine uh, conference a few years ago, we still don't know how to handle Germany. We can demilitarize them. We can put some fines on them to, to pay retributions, so on and so forth. And they are still the strongest. So this is the problem for United States and, 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 and United Kingdom, how to contain Germany. Mm -hmm. And uh, you wrote a piece some months ago for Forbes uh, talking about uh, Poland and I believe the Three Seas uh, Initiative. Yes, and right. You begged the question, um, was this the end of Pax uh, Americana? And, you know, Graham Allison, who put out a book about a year ago talking about the Thucydides trap and myself, I was just, I, you know, being a student of, of history as well, my first degree in the study of history, and just seeing history yeah. re replay itself uh, over and over again, you know, and looking at the 20th century and the world wars and the decline of Britain and the rise of Germany, uh, Germany having the strongest uh, military in Europe and then building up a navy to challenge Britain's, you know, strongest sea power um can you talk a bit about your thoughts on the decline of pax americana and you know are we going to see another regional or, or great great war or will things play out through some other form whether economic warfare or or, or what United States or and uh, uh, well and the United Kingdom will not abandon their privileged position easily. We will have attentions. I would not even call this a, a, a new Cold War. Cold War is a relic of the past. We have we are in a different position due to the techno technological adv advancement, due to the uh, fact that. Mm, we are interconnected. We have easy access to news, to alternative uh, um, channels and sources of news, and to the internet, where we can just, you know, uh, in our free time, read um, uh, things which are of our interest. I do believe that Pax Americana is no longer in the place. Uh, we can see what is happening with regards to China. China is taking over America supremacy obviously is a different civilization is a different culture and the uh, advantage of 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 united states of americans is uh, our new lingua franca which is english everyone has to speak english as same as previously uh, people were speaking uh, latin i don't believe that chinese language can be that easily thought to such a great extent of of, of people around the world mm, the pop culture uh, the, the cinema, the movies, the advertisements, I mean, all of these social technical uh, tools were put in place to program us, 
to believe and take it for granted that indeed Pax Americana is the only way to go. But we can see that China, Asia, Asia countries, Russia, who was as a country, was backwarded. It was impoverished. After Bolshevik Revolution, uh, sorry, uh, Russia was destroyed totally. The backbone of the country, the religion, the literature, the culture was totally destroyed by the, by the Bolsheviks. And it was done by purpose. Obviously, we know that the, 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 the revol revolutionaries were sponsored by, by the West at that time. But going back to your question, the only alternative to Pax Americana is a relationship between, a strong relationship and honest relationship between China and Russia. And Europe doesn't have any other way than to join a natural allies, continental powers, to bluster the trade, the cultural exchange. And I will go back to the professor John Mersheimer, a famous um, professor of, of realism or neorealism from the Chicago University who uh, gave a lesson, I mean, gave a lecture uh, at my alma mater, Jagiellonian University in Poland, after cup in, 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 in Ukraine. And the lecture was titled, obviously, the, it's, it's not, it's not um, Putin to be blamed for the disaster in Ukraine, it's the West. That was the title of the lecture from the American uh, uh, professor, John Mersheimer. And he foresaw already in 2015, was it? That because of the stronger economic intercourse between Europe and China and Russia as well, United States, and he called them jealous gods of the United States, and I'm just quoting Professor John Mersheimer, will go ballistic with Europe to put pressure on us to not do business with China, which is impossible, as same as with Iran. It is a double standard from the Americans and Anglo-Saxon thinkers, because they are strongly against monopolies. We know that the conservatives or conserv conservative thought has been suppressed by the libertarian movement, which is for free trade, free everything. But I don't understand as a person, maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe it's something wrong with me, but I don't understand if the country which is supporting so wholeheartedly, fervorlessly, liberty, sovereignty, and dignity of the nation and every single person around the world is so greedy that this freedom can be only expressed and exercised towards them. But other countries, for instance, Germany, when it wants to have a Nord Stream 2, a pipeline, if Germans, who are more than Americans, who never won any war in their life, never, Germans who fought, who have been beaten, they know what is the real cost of the real war, and they are reluctant to poke the Russian bear. However, Germans have a strong block within their governments and political strata of Atlantis, people who believe that the only way for Germany and other countries is to be in the transatlantic alliance. I don't have anything against trade with America. I don't have anything against cultural exchange with America. But it is something wrong when people from a different continent, from a different country, are, com are people who, in the first place, left Europe in order to search a better life, a new world. That was their decision to go away from Europe and set up a new world. Now claiming some rights to dictate 
European governments and European people how we should live, with whom we should have good and bad relationships, Vida, Russia, China, Iran. This is beyond my comprehension. And this is not fair. And we have to be fair. Because, for instance, if, if, if you, I believe that you have neighbors, you have family, and can you imagine that you have wife, children, and your neighbor is knocking to your door, opening the door, coming to your house, setting up new rules, and telling you what you should eat, what you should be doing, what, should, uh, what color of, uh, of the walls, and what sort of furniture you should have in your house. That's madness. And this is what Americans are doing, are coming to the continent and telling European governments what we should do and we, what we should not do. Obviously, Russia is the boogeyman because they are afraid and they have a strong appetite. We as the students of geopolitics, of uh, I mean, you know, uh, people who are uh, concerned over geography, history, politics and culture, should take into account that heartland is placed at the very heart of Russia. The British rhetoric, the American rhetoric, is to deceive, to tell us that, oh, they are bad and we need to militarize ourselves, we need to prevent and we need to target Putin. If you would just come to Earth as an alien today and you would read the newspapers, American or UK newspapers, UK newspapers you thought that Vladimir Putin is, 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 is almost a god, God forbid. He's involved in everything. He's involved in everything, which is ridiculous. I mean, no one in, in, in a fair mind is believing in this ridiculous propaganda. But what they have in mind is to create a climate where citizens, where the people are desensitized and are more willing to have the same situation as we had in this country uh, during the Tony Blair times, where without any clear evidence, United States, UK, and few other European Western countries attack Saddam Hussein. I'm afraid that America and Pax Americana plus United Kingdom, before, because they, they don't want to lose this position, would, will push at, at the brink of the war. And at the moment, we are nearly at the brink of the war. Although we have slightly different type of wars at the moment. We don't have people in the woods. We don't have guerrilla squadrons all over Europe. We have nukes. And we have to bear in mind that both America and uh, Russia, adding China and a few other countries, are nuclear powers. So this type of war will be the final war. So either Americans, or I would rather say not Americans, because I know many Americans who are sane people, who are just regular people as any other people all over the world. But what I have in mind is either Europe, uh, American establishment will come to the conclusion that no, we are not gods, we are not the privileged nation, we are one among, we are one nation among other nations, and we want to build a good future, a fair future, for the future generations of our people, uh, our our children, for our children, for our generations, and for other, uh, you know, generations of other nations alike, or they will still be deluded and wanted to rule and, uh, you know, want uh, obedience from other nations. We are not slaves. Uh, we are not vassal states. I don't feel that, I, I feel ashamed when my country is doing certain things which are in line of the neoconservative foreign policy makers in Washington. And I do believe that our generation has to reconsider either 
we want to be in a permanent permanent state of war with everyone or we want to take a progressive steps towards a having a sustainable planet uh, sustainable uh, cities sustainable countries where people have jobs can you know raise their children they can live in peace because most of the people really want to live in peace and it's not true that Russian or British citizens hate uh, Russians. It's not true that Russians hate Brit British people. It's only the media and governments which are projecting on us the hate. And this is the Nuremberg you know, trial for that, in my opinion. This is, this, this, this is beyond my comprehension, how you can you know, push people into each other's throats. And this is what is happening with regards to United Kingdom and United States. So it seems we come down to two options. And th this pattern uh, throughout the interviews that I do, uh, my guests seem to come to the similar conclusions. Either the empire of the day will, will fall into the trap and, as you say, say uh, act in a diluted fashion and lead us to another war. Or our hope and best option is that the world island, as you say, will call the bluff of the United States of Pax Americana, and we will have we will avoid a war in this historical cycle and have a more multilateral uh, world where the EU works with uh, Russia, with Iran, with China uh, and Africa, and so. That's, that's what we hope going forward uh, in the coming months and, and years. So we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. Um, yeah. And if you have any final thought, and also if you could tell us how people could best follow you and the work that you do. Well, um, first of all, my only thought and my only message to your listeners, to our listeners, is to think for themselves. To read as many books as possible, not reading only news and watching TV. I know that we are too busy, too occupied with our jobs, with our studies, with our day-to-day -day, day -day businesses, so on and so forth. But we have to take a step back, think realistically what we want to achieve. Is it sustainable to be in a constant, you know, tit-for-tat constant propaganda and warmongering or just having a people-to-people -people channels of communication of mutual understanding because war is not that easy it's not the game you know it's not the playstation it's not the you know xbox war is a disaster so i only believe and i i wholeheartedly believe and i wish to every single person who listened to us that they will think for themselves that they will think for themselves and they will pick peace instead of war. Where you can find me, you can find me on my website, which is www.adrielcasonta.com or Twitter handle Adriel um, lower slash Casonta. You can find me there. You are more than willing. I mean, you're more than uh, I'm more than happy to follow you. You are more than uh, welcome to follow me, and uh, we can have a meaningful discussion as I have with you because we, we, we came across each other uh, on the very social media, which was Twitter. And, and I'm really glad that you, you were having me on, on your podcast. And uh, um, I, I hope that I 
added some value to 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 the um, series of your podcast and i hope that some 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 people will get something for themselves from our conversation yes and uh, it's great to have you and uh, thanks for your time again and uh, hopefully in the future we can uh, do this again thank you very much take care